Welcome to the Compliance Time, AML and Financial Crime Podcast. Here, you can learn from compliance experts, enthusiasts and creators who are contributing to the fast-moving and dynamic field of financial compliance. Hello everyone and welcome to Compliance Time. Guest of the podcast in episode 23 is Aaron Kaler, the founder of the Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative, ATII. Aaron has more than 15 years experience in financial crimes and regulatory compliance advisory space. The Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative, ATII, is a non-profit that encourages financial institutions and companies globally to practice corporate social responsibility and implement anti-human trafficking programs within their organizations, such as policies and procedures, training, live e-learning, um, red flags, indicators, high-risk trafficking data, and more. The organization addresses gaps in detection, prevention, and reporting of corporations and financial institutions around human trafficking in comparison to how other financial crime prevention is prioritized. They also have partnerships with federal, state, and local law enforcement in the U.S. as well as agencies and NGOs to support investigations around trafficking, child exploitation, and missing persons. We are very happy to share with you news about an upcoming event. This January, ATII will organize its first virtual summit. In this webinar conference, you can hear from BSA officers, financial crime investigators, regulators and more to promote corporate social responsibility through increasing awareness, facilitating intelligence integration and using strategic data collaboration. Reserve your free ticket now and follow ATI on LinkedIn. You can find links in the show notes for this. And now let's hear from Aaron. Hello, Aaron, and welcome to Compliance Time. I'm very excited for our discussion today because we are going to speak of uh, such so many important topics. Um, so welcome and I'm glad to have you with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having, uh, having me on, Denitza. It's, uh, it's an honor to, to join. And I've been a fan and listening to your previous uh, podcast, so very excited to, to join you. Thank you. So um, let's start by talking about yourself and your career in compliance so that people know more of how you started and where you are now. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, I started... Um, in the financial crime space pretty early in my career and, and actually was very fortunate to get involved with financial crime as part of my college major. Uh, I went to Utica College, which is in, in New York, uh, and is, was at the time associated with Syracuse University. And my major is in economic crime investigation, which uh, at the time uh, in, in the early 2000s was, was a a uh, very unique major, still is, but uh, there weren't many schools out there that, that were uh, covering uh, financial crime in this way. Um, so my major was uniquely in, in the financial crime space. Uh, and during school, I uh, worked for several years with the New York State Attorney General's office um, in their consumer frauds uh, investigation department, where uh, early on, I was able to get exposure and experience in working uh, 
um, with the public, uh, helping uh, victims of consumer fraud and, and crimes. Um, it was a very rewarding time in my career. And to this day, I still receive Christmas cards from folks that I helped uh, oh. back then. Uh, yeah, early on in my career. Um, so, so very, very interesting time uh, for me that, that, that was rewarding. Um, from there, um, part of my major uh, of the economic crime investigation program uh, required us to have an, a working internship with, with, with a company or an organization uh, to graduate. So I got my internship with MasterCard in their corporate headquarters in uh, Purchase, New York. And while I was at MasterCard uh, as an intern, uh, I worked in a number of different fraud management type of roles, but one of the most interesting and, and, and rewarding and, and kind of things that I look back at when I was with MasterCard is we looked at child pornography and child exploitation and uh, worked with law enforcement to try to identify and uh, look at websites and providers that may be you, uh, working in the child uh, exploitation industry and using uh, MasterCard as a facilitator of payment. So, um, you know, as an intern, I would, I would look at that, find those sites and, and pay for it with a, you know, a, a fake MasterCard so that then we can come back and uh, investigate with law enforcement and find uh, the bad actors behind those sites. So, you know, that was early on a, uh, something that, that, that drove me and had a, a, a passion uh, in this space. Um, yeah, and from, from there, uh, you know, I started working in um, the anti-money laundering financial crime space and regulatory compliance. Uh, I've been working in this space for, for 15 plus years. Uh, I started in Citibank in, in Manhattan uh, with their uh, AML group and moved on to a number of different roles with um, major advisory consulting firms like Deloitte & Touche, uh, Protivity, uh, Capgemini. Um, I worked for LexisNexis as a um, director of market planning and uh, uh, operational um, lead on uh, some, some investigation services and uh, started the Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative a um, little bit over a year ago. Um, and I'm happy to get into more information on, on, on that. Yeah, that's great. Your experience is so, so great. I mean, you can see um, really through... Um your story how we help people because rarely um we we think that you know when, when you spend your day looking at a transaction or a couple of cases you don't think that you're really helping someone but when you mentioned now about the credit bureau risk and um, the people that are still grateful for what you did that that's really awesome um can you please give us a little bit more information about the Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative. Um, how did it start it and what does it do now? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, after spending, uh, uh, you know, 15 plus years in, in the compliance and financial crime space, um, 
I was looking to evolve my career um, beyond uh, what I t- typically had, had, had previously done and, and focus uh, on an area that I've been paying attention to for, for several years, and, and, and that's anti-human trafficking um, within the financial crime world. And, you know, I noticed that there is a, a real lapse in um, programs and, you know, the focus of financial crime investigations. Uh, you know, we focus a lot on, on drug trafficking and, and terrorist financing and tax evasion and, and other types of, of crimes that are, are very important in and of themselves. But at the same time, you know, pri- prioritizing humans and, and treating, um, treating that as, as a priority uh, within our financial crimes operations, uh, you know, was, was taboo and, and wasn't, you know, it isn't something that people historically have talked about and focused on. Uh, we're fortunate that in, you know, over the last several uh, years, seven to 10 years, um, you know, FinCEN, uh, our, our uh, enforcement, uh, IRS uh, and crime enforcement uh, regulator, here in, in, in the U.S. has, has, has made it uh, a bit of a priority um, as far as issuing guidance uh, and, and so forth. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we're happy to be in, in a space now that, um, that we can focus on this. So the Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative, we have two kind of main aspects of, of the business and, 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 and how it's run. Uh, we're a nonprofit. Um, on the, on, we have a, a commercial side or, or a, a side that we focus on with, with corporations and financial institutions. Uh, and that side of our business is focused on uh, encouraging financial institutions and corporations to practice corporate social responsibility, uh, economic social governance, and implement anti-human trafficking programs. So what that could mean for a financial institution is implementing policies and procedures, um, training, um, red flags and indicators within their policies. Um, We have a high-risk human trafficking data set uh, that can be leveraged at the account opening or transaction monitoring process. Um, So, you know, training and, and building awareness uh, with, with investigators uh, within the compliance space and um, throughout the organization on, on human trafficking is something that, that you know, we, we're trying to, to get into the mainstream. Um, and then the other side of our uh, nonprofit and, and business is uh, what I call our, our private side. And I don't want to get into too much detail on uh, that on this call, but we essentially uh, collaborate with, with law enforcement, uh, federal, state, and local, um, district attorney's offices, U.S. attorney's offices, and other NGOs like us. And uh, we provide support in human trafficking, um, child exploitation, child sexual abuse material cases. Um, our support... Um, and our capabilities are, are very much driven by our, our partner organizations and, and, and the platforms and, and data we work with them on. 
Um, but we work in the digital forensic space, uh, cryptocurrency asset and tracing space. Uh, we work with, with breach data, um, geolocation data, uh, lots of open source intelligence and closed source intelligence. Um, so we try to make an impact and, and assist law enforcement and other organizations however we can in, in, the, in the fight against modern slavery. That's really great. I am going to include the links to the website of the organization as well as their LinkedIn, so people, um, as well as the organization's LinkedIn, so that people can follow and um, subscribe. You make updates, right? Newsletters and uh, things like this, people can follow. Absolutely. Um, you know, on the, on the website, uh, we, we have a blog and, and lots of information there. Um, yeah. I'd say we're most active on, on LinkedIn. So follow our company page on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a closed um, anti-human trafficking intelligence initiative LinkedIn group. Um, so if, if you're interested, you can request to join that group as well. Um, we have uh, around 5,000 LinkedIn followers at the moment for the company page and uh, over 3,000 LinkedIn group uh, members at this point. That's amazing. I um I think I am either in the group because I have seen the uh, the update. But what's certain is that the blog posts that you're making are really interesting, and some of them um, contain a lot of valuable information for financial crime specialists. So I totally recommend the blog at minimum. <laughs> it's a minimum yeah. requirement for listening the, to the podcast. <laughs> thank you so much. More than welcome. And um, from financial compliance perspective, I think it's very important to read the news and know the trends. And recently, as you mentioned as well, uh, human trafficking is more and more on the radar, like there are more initiatives, they're um, more pushed to the organizations to include CSR policies and practices preventing human trafficking. Um, in your view, what are some of the human trafficking related news from 2020 from which we can learn or from which we we saw something more um, on the issue? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of news to that that you can consume on anti-human trafficking and, and operations and, 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 and what's occurring. Uh, it's very important to um, understand that and, and, and look at news from, from the right sources. There's a lot of misleading uh, information around anti-human trafficking that's you know, purposefully put out to, to, to scare folks uh, in, 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 in different ways and, and, and change um, attitudes towards it. But um, so just be cautious of, of where you're getting your news source and, and, and you know, ensuring it's a legitimate news source that you're learning from. Um, but yeah, lots of great news on the anti-human trafficking front um, uh, in, many, in many aspects. So um, you can always uh, find great uh, operational and sting news from, from law enforcement agencies and NGOs that uh, collaborate with law enforcement publicly. Um, you know, the, the, uh, Department of Homeland Security is doing great work. The U.S. Marshal Service is doing great work uh, around anti-human trafficking. Um, on the compliance front, um, there's there's a heck of a lot of um, media 
uh, out there that that came from, uh, you know, the Jeffrey Epstein case uh, and the subsequent uh, investigations into, you know, his banking situations. Um, There's been a recent um, enforcement action in Australia around uh, Westpac uh, financial institution involving uh, some some AML uh, lapses that uh, part of which focused on um, turning a blind eye to to transactions related to to uh, human trafficking, um, and most importantly, um, FinCEN, uh, our our uh, regulatory uh, guidance. Uh, through through the IRS, uh, the US IRS put out their, their second um, guidance in, in the last uh, seven or eight years uh, around anti-human trafficking that came out in, in October. Um, so, you know, from our perspective and, and from an industry perspective, back in 2014, um, FinCEN put out their first guidance, regulatory guidance around human trafficking to um, you know, prime the financial industry to, to, to learn more and, and think about it. Um, in 2017, um, due to um, the work of a very dedicated compliance uh, professional named Joanne Alicia, um, FinCEN implemented a uh, human trafficking checkbox within the, the uh, suspicious activity report. Um, that happened in 2017, which is, was a huge, huge win in, in, in the fight uh, for financial uh, institutions uh, in human trafficking. And then recently, in, in I believe October, FinCEN issued a, nu- a, a new piece of guidance around uh, anti-human trafficking, which, um, you know, serves well with, with everything going on in the times and in the news and, and, and the buzz and interest uh, around human trafficking. So, you know, I, I think it's really on uh, radar for financial institutions in, and professionals in, in a way that it wasn't before. Um, you know, we partner with uh, a, a number of different organizations that, that put out news content certifications, um, you know, industry organizations. And I've heard multiple times that some of their, their, their highest rated articles or, or newscasts are talking about human trafficking as, as far as financial crimes goes. Um, so it's, it's definitely uh, an interest of the public these days. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, and this, this is very interesting with the um, uh, human trafficking checkbox on the SARS to, to the regulator. So, um, is there any amount restriction when you want to report, and by restriction, I mean lower border, um, suspicions of human trafficking? Um, I, you know, I, there, there are dollar limits recommended for um, SARS in general uh, for, for these reports. But when it comes to human trafficking, you know, you can be filing a report based on something a, a teller sees in person, um, something that's coming from the KYC front. So uh, no, there isn't. That's um, awesome because I, I know, for example, for terror financing, there is also no amount as opposed to the standard SAR, which has a, um, 
amount associated. Don't ask me how much because I forgot, right? <laughs> I, know a, that. I think it's 3,000. Uh, don't quote me. I, I believe it's 3,000. <laughs> I was going to say five. So, <laughs> so somewhere between three and 5,000 <laughs> yep. in that range, it starts. So yeah, that, that's really good that um, it does not only involve the amount. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, when it comes to this checkbox being now, now in, in play, um, you know, like I said, it started in, in 2017, in 2018, um, you know, they had 109 SARS filed, uh, within FinCEN around human trafficking. And then from 2018 to 2019, it jumped up to, you know, around 3,500 SARS. So, you know, that's not a lot considering, um, you know, how big of a, a, a crime, uh, how big human trafficking is, which is estimated yeah. to be at, you know, uh, 150 billion globally. Um, but, you know, that curve of financial investigators becoming aware of it, understanding it and putting it on their radar, um, you know, I think over the next several years, uh, these SAR numbers are going to, um, you know, be driven uh, to, to higher numbers, which is going to yield, um, you know, more actual investigations and operations that are, uh, you know, putting law enforcement out on the front lines and, and, and saving people and, and, and stopping this and, and bringing justice to, to, to traffickers. Yeah. Uh, and that's really great because I think it will also allow the investigators and the regulators like uh, FinCEN to be able to filter out and focus on this because they're so um, understaffed. I mean, when you compare the number of uh, suspicious activity being reported and the numbers of investigators working on putting up a case, which is not always easy. Um, like for us, when we are reporting, it's rather easy, right? You fill out what you found out and it's over. But to make that into a criminal case, I guess it takes much more effort. Yeah, the, the other thing is, is you know, in, in, in the U.S. and, and, and in Canada and, and many countries, I mean, you know, there's millions of, of reports filed a year hmm. and, you know, I don't want to speak for FinCEN or, or law enforcement, but, you know, there, there's a feeling, an industry feeling that, you know, we're out there filing reports and, and, and doing our job, but how, how much is it picked up on? How, yeah. how much is, a, is our reports making uh, a difference? And the idea and the hope is that by having human trafficking checkbox, when you check that box, you're hope, hopefully you're, you're, you're beelining, you're, 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 putting a spotlight on, Hey, this is human trafficking and you should pick this up as a priority as, as law enforcement, as opposed to, um, you know, maybe tax evasion or a simpler, uh, crime that, you know, may not get looked at as, as quickly or at all for that matter, um, unless related to a, a different case. Um, so, so the idea is that, um, you know, when you check that, that trafficking checkbox, um, you know, folks within that state or, or whether it's, it's state, local or federal uh, are paying attention to, 
you know, that SAR in that city or in that state and actually um, using it as actionable intelligence to, to, to prosecute or, or, or find uh, a survivor of, of trafficking and, and, and put their trafficker in justice. Yeah, that, that does make sense. And um, I, I'm glad that it's existing now. Um, speaking of um, red flags and trends, this year was sort of different and um, only sort of, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how, how did that um, impact the new trends? Um, I mean, the, the whole um, COVID situation and lockdowns, um, Are, are there some new emerging red flags from that in your observations and from your work or for traffickers is business as usual? Uh, I, I think COVID has geared certain operations uh, in, in trafficking in, in different directions. Um, you know, even if there's a, you know, even though the, the world is, is kind of uh, on lockdown, um, you know, that doesn't mean that trafficking stops. Uh, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, there aren't, there still aren't victims out there uh, that are being exploited. Um, one way that, that COVID has definitely changed the landscape um, around trafficking is there is a lot more, uh, just like we, you know, we're not attending conferences and, and, and meetings in, in person, um, you know, we're doing it virtually. Uh, in the same way, you know, traffickers are, are, are utilizing, uh, you know, the innocent and, and the vulnerable, um, you know, through virtual means, um, you know, webcam services and, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot more child exploitation being done through, through those means. Um, so online activity, uh, cam shows, um, Grooming through through online means uh, is 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 I think at a at a peak high due to COVID. Can you please explain uh, maybe for people that don't know what what's grooming through the online space? I think I got you, but just, just... yeah um, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> grooming no. is 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 essentially uh, when um, you know when uh, people are are out seeking vulnerable populations, um, you know, younger people or, or other type of vulnerable uh, people and creating a relationship with them online or, you know, in person too, but we're talking about grooming right now from an online perspective. So, you know, establishing a relationship, gaining their trust, understanding, you know, who they are, what, why they're vulnerable, how they can exploit them in some way And then ultimately um, using that vulnerability to, to, to bend them to their will and get them to do what, what they want them to do. Um, you know, it may, be, it may be meeting in person. Um, it may be them sending them pictures uh, and using those pictures to, 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 to blackmail them. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways, but essentially grooming is building that relationship and understanding uh, their target, their victim and exploiting uh, the vulnerability that they have. I was reading some time ago. Um, yeah, it was really some time ago because it was more than a couple of months um, about grooming in the United States that it's 
really popular um, with some applications like Tinder or so, some dating websites that, and oftentimes the uh, traffickers who are doing that are really good, have, have very good social skills. So they're Absolutely. really attracting the, the young t- teenagers that um, they really, to the point that they fall in love, they run away from home uh, and um, became victims of trafficking further along the line. Yeah, I mean, a- absolutely. It, it's, you know, just like romance scams, whether you're, you're, you're 12 years old or, or you're 60 years old, um, it, it, it becomes a, a numbers game where, you know, whether you're a, uh, uh, somebody that has ill intentions, um, you know, from a, from a trafficking perspective or an exploitation perspective or of, hey, I'm going to create a relationship with this person and then ask them for money. Um, you know, it, it's, it's really a numbers game of observing, talking to people and, and finding out the vulnerabilities and finding out who will be a good target to, to focus on. And, and that's what grooming is. Yeah, and speaking of the virtual world, um, how do you see the role of all such platforms and um, how, how to call them, platforms and applications that are existing now, are they doing enough to prevent crimes happening um, of such sort through, their, through the platform that they're giving to people? Uh, I would say absolutely not. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot to, to be done. And, and there are um, great organizations out there in, in the human trafficking space and, 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 and crime space that are looking to, to build and create partnerships with these, these platforms. Um, you know, we're looking to, to do this. Um, you know, we, we, we look to partner with artificial intelligence uh, companies uh, and 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 other platforms to to try to find creative ways to uh, detect that, uh, prevent it, and and report it in in advance. Um, but to answer your question, uh, yeah, the you know social media platforms and other applications that that um, you know promote communication between people yeah. need to do more. Yeah, I hope the answer that that was a different answer and that I have missed it somewhere that they're doing something extraordinary to help the 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 anti-human trafficking in general but yeah, I can imagine um Yeah, they they're, the, they're not they're not really doing anything yet. Yeah, uh, there, the, there are organizations that are that are out there trying to um, make an impact trying to partner on the technology side so that, um, you know, these, these major um, social media platforms and, and, and communication applications uh, have the, the tools and the interest and awareness to, to do more. Let's hope this will be a good uh, initiative and really growing in uh, next year. Um, but speaking of the cyber and uh, uh, in- Internet of Things, can I ask about cryptocurrency? What's the role of uh, cryptocurrency in human trafficking? Is it being used? Are there some identified use cases of um, yeah, uh, b- being paid off with crypto? 
Yeah. So um, one of the, one of the things that early on when I was in my, my financial crime advisory uh, career and gearing to starting the anti-human trafficking intelligence initiative, um, one of my distinct focuses um, and, and an early area that I wanted to build an understanding and, and really understand the market on is, is the crypto space and, and how it can be used to facilitate you know, human trafficking, child exploitation, child sexual abuse material. And so early on, uh, in advance of starting, uh, I reached out to a, a number of the, the, the major cryptocurrency uh, forensic tracing platforms and software companies to, to, to get an, an, an understanding. And, and what I saw at that time is, you know, they had information and were looking um, at, um, you know, child sexual abuse material through the dark markets and through cryptocurrency, um, but they didn't have a lot of data on it. They didn't have a lot of attribution um, and, and, and flags around that. And what they did have, it came from other NGOs, other organizations like, like, like ours uh, and, and bigger ones like the Internet Watch Foundation um, that has done a pretty good job of flagging um, cryptocurrency uh, addresses that could be re- historically that could be related to um, child sexual abuse material. So it, it, it was a small piece of their, their big pie uh, of data and, and flagged bad activity and bad actors. Um, so seeing that, I thought that was pretty disturbing because the reality is, is that when you think of, um, you know, you think of these, these sex sites and, and, and sex ads that are, that are in the market, uh, like Backspace, uh, I mean, Backpage, sorry. Um, you know, to, to, to put a sex ad out on Backpage, it need, you need to pay for that sex ad. So, um, you know, people can pay with their own credit cards. Uh, a lot of times they'll, they'll get, you know, burner credit cards from, from dark markets, from, from the dark web, um, and, and utilize these, these falsified credit cards. But uh, a, a large bulk, far more of the majority of, of ads placed were paid for via crypto. And, you know, I knew that that was apparent, but uh, you didn't hear much about it being investigated or prioritized. And certainly the companies and exchanges out there that, um, you know, held the wallets to, to, you know, these customers didn't know and, and flag this either. So that became a, uh, a, a concern of, of mine. Um, so one of the big things that, that we did in, in, in the anti-human trafficking intelligence initiative is we launched a cryptocurrency consortium. Um, so it's called the anti-human trafficking cryptocurrency consortium. Uh, it was launched in April of uh, 2020. And right now, uh, we have over 50 individual members that are professionals in the crypto space and, and thought leaders wow. from, from different uh, organizations. Uh, and we have 
over 30 unique organizations represented within the cryptocurrency consortium. So that includes um, major exchanges like, like Coinbase, um, Paxful, uh, Bittrex. It, in, it includes um, Gemini is, is involved. Um, it includes um, major software uh, and, and forensic tracing firms like CypherTrace, Blockchain Intelligence Group, Chainalysis, Elliptic, uh, and other smaller uh, bespoke uh, ones like TRM Labs um, and, and others. Uh, it includes tokens. Um, actually, one of your previous guests, uh, Teresa uh, Anea, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, from Trust Token. Uh, they're engaged in the in the cryptocurrency consortium. Um, so lot, lots of different industry uh, professionals and, and companies involved in, in the space. And, you know, we work together. We look at investigations. We look at um, potentially blacklisting um, and, and identifying in the market um, activity and and uh, wallets associated with uh, child sexual abuse material and potential trafficking. So lots of great things that, that we're doing out there. That's truly amazing. And um, can you please just briefly tell us if the consortium is also meeting regularly or what, what it means to, per, to take part in such um, consortium? Yeah, we, um, we have meetings and, and we operate... Um, you know, off of a, a communications platform like many other consortiums do mm-hmm. uh, as well. And, and we're in, in pretty constant contact when things come up. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of folks engaged that, that do their parts within their o- own organizations to, to make an impact. Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you that um, even some of the larger exchanges that have larger compliance staffs that, that we work with have volunteered um, analysts and, and compliance investigators from you know, junior analysts and, and mid-level career folks. Uh, they've have, have asked them to donate their time to assist us. So we get um, additional support um, in certain investigations and endeavors. That's really great. And do you produce uh, a content as an outcome of such meetings, findings? Um, is it available to others that are not part of the consortium? Yeah, so we work the same way that we work with, with financial institutions um, that I described earlier uh, through the nonprofit. Uh, we also work with, with exchanges. So it's the same idea. We want them to implement anti-human trafficking programs. So we, we have uh, specific you know, risk indicators, red flags, uh, policies, and, and, and the like focused on, on crypto. Um, so yes, the, there, there's lots of content and information available for um, exchanges that want to do this, want to do more like their peers. That's really great. Thanks for sharing that. And um, to talk about a little bit about the future, what's coming up uh, for um, ATII in 2021? 
So one of the the biggest initiatives we have uh, coming up is our first annual Follow Money Fight Slavery um, Summit, virtual summit. It's free. Uh, I I know that you're going to share a link to that. So uh, yep. within the notes. So please register for this for free and, and share it uh, across your, your, your social media and your platforms. Um, the, the focus of the summit is on really, you know, letting financial professionals that may not be familiar with human trafficking understand it more and realize that, it, that it's a financial crime as well and that it should be a focus for them as professionals and for their organizations, uh, you know, as, as you know, ambassadors of, of economy, uh, you know, and, and practicing corporate social responsibility. So we're really calling folks, you know, we're challenging folks to, to learn more and, and ask their, their, their leaders, ask their superiors, ask their organizations, you know, hey, why, why aren't we being trained on this? Why aren't we learning about this? Um, why isn't this something that we focus on in, in our investigations? Um, the idea is, is, you know, to have action uh, from this awareness uh, within their, their financial institutions and organizations. So we've brought in um, speakers from a number of different organizations, financial institutions, cryptocurrency companies, uh, data and software companies that are talking about uh, what their organizations are doing in the space of anti-human trafficking. So um, we have speakers from uh, Scotiabank. Uh, Scotiabank is, is historically one of the, the largest banks out there that, are, that is, is very proactive on human trafficking and, and very much uh, treats it as a, as a platform in which they're thought leaders on. So we have uh, Kareem Rajwani, uh, the chief operating officer at Scotiabank, who, who, who's been a huge uh, anti-human trafficking advocate speaking. Uh, we've got Western Union. Um, they, uh, they do a lot in the human trafficking space uh, and, and, and working with law enforcement and, and investigating uh, their accounts uh, for potential traffickers. Um, we've got, uh, Joanne Alicia, who I mentioned earlier, who was, uh, she works for JP Morgan Chase. She, um, she is the individual that petitioned and, and fought for, I want to say seven years to, um, you know, to, to, to Congress and to FinCEN to, to get the human trafficking checkbox, uh, on the SAR. So we've got a, a lot of great folks uh, speaking and talking about their organizations and what they're doing. Um, we also have uh, a survivor um, that, that is now running a, a nonprofit that's going to talk about her story and, and how she was trafficked and, and the evolution and, and her, uh, her, her nonprofit and what they're doing in, in the space. Uh, her name is Kat Weehunt, and she is from the Formation Project, which is in Charleston, South Carolina. That's oh, lots, really yeah, lots of lots of great folks talking from different organizations and 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 talking about what they're doing and 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 how people listening can can do the same and challenge their organizations to do do more. 
I'm very excited. I'm already subscribed uh, for the um, event, but can you please uh, just say one more time the date? Uh, I know it's a full day event, right? Yep, it's on uh, January 28th, uh, 2021. Um, and, and January is uh, uh, human trafficking, uh, anti-human trafficking month. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a timely uh, you know, time to, to, to learn more and, and understand. That's great. What, what's going on around you. Yep. I, I really like it. I am going to share, of course, all the links that, um, you sent me and, um, yeah, I, I, I totally think that this would be awesome. And what is even more special that it's going to be the first event of such sort that you're organizing, right? Yep. Yeah. The idea is to, uh, is to, is to do this every year and, and, and let it grow or organically become bigger year after year. Uh, we also plan on, on hosting similar uh, conferences, uh, whether they're virtual or in person, uh, related to, to law enforcement professionals and, and the industry uh, serving them in doing, doing their job uh, around human trafficking. Uh, we're looking to um, do this with a number of different NGOs that are working in the space. So stay tuned on, on, on news uh, about that. Um, also, we're, we are, we're going to be doing a, a similar, not, not as large, but um, a similar uh, virtual conference uh, as, as our Follow Money Fight Slavery Summit for Canada in February. Um, where, where we're going to repeat the process and have a lot of great folks doing great things from Canada uh, in February. Amazing. We'll, we'll keep in touch. And uh, if it's um, uh, at some earlier time for, <laughs> for us due to time difference, um, I, I can tune in um, for, for at least the morning sessions. Um, and speaking of the future, how do you see the future of AML and compliance through the anti-human trafficking lens? Um, you know, like I explained the, the timeline of, of, you know, FinCEN here in the U.S., uh, FinTrack in Canada, and, uh, you know, all throughout, uh, you know, the, the globe, the U.K. is doing a lot. Uh, Australia is, is starting to, to, to do a lot in, in the human trafficking space as, as evidence uh, in, in the enforcement action on Westpac that I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing the, it, it build, we're seeing the interest, we're seeing regulators issue guidance and, and things change. Uh, here in the U.S., I'm, I'm thinking and, and, and hoping that uh, within three to five years, uh, it's going to be uh, anti-human trafficking is going, going to be uh, more of a requirement, more guidance and more of a focus uh, within organizations. Uh, and, I, and I think the rest of the world is going to follow suit. That's uh, great. Uh, I, I hope it's a true prediction. And just before um, finishing off, do you have any recommended resources, books, movies, something that people can learn from? Or something that's just your favorite and you would like to mention? Um, yeah, there, uh, as far as resources, um, there, there's, a, there's a lot of information out there. 
Um, and depending on the interest, um, you know, whether it's, it's financial crimes uh, aspect or, and, and also the, the, you know, the human aspect of it, um, you know, the, the association, association of certified uh, financial crime specialists, we partner with them. They put out great content uh, around anti-human trafficking. Um, they issue scholarships to uh, folks that are working in the spaces, space of anti-human trafficking um, to, to get their designation uh, for free based on uh, you know, what they're doing. Um, we partner with uh, ACAMS, uh, Carla Monterosa, their, their chief editor is, is on our uh, advisory council. Uh, they do a lot, a lot of great stories on, on anti-human trafficking. Um, we partner with uh, Manchester CF in Canada uh, on our e-learning course on anti-human trafficking from a financial crime perspective. So uh, that's definitely an asset available. Um, the Department of Homeland Security um, puts out uh, the, the blue campaign uh, with a lot of information uh, on, on anti-human trafficking. Uh, there's lots of great resources out there. Uh, happy to share more for, for your notes section of the podcast. Um, on the movie front, one thing I would say is I'm not going to tell you what to watch, but I will say when you do watch uh, certain movies, uh, I will use Taken, the movie Taken, that many people are familiar with uh, as an example um, with, with Liam Nielsen. Um, you know, just be cautious. What, what you see is not always the reality of, of, of what human trafficking is. You know, it's, it's, it's not always being kidnapped and, and being forced against your will in a physical way. It's very mental. Uh, it, it's, it's mental manipulation uh, and control, hence the, the grooming that we, we, we spoke about earlier. Um, yeah. Actual kidnappings and uh, physical uh, constraints and, 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 a, and in that type of fashion is, is, I'm not saying it doesn't happen because it does, but it, but it's, it's, it isn't rare, but it's, it's not common. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, under, I, I, understanding the, the perception um, of, you know, if you see something, say something, if something doesn't look right, um, you know, an individual doesn't have to be physically doing something. They could be, you know, many times it's, it's, it's adults and relatives. Um, so there, there's lots, lots of information to, to, to familiarize yourself with. And uh, like I said, I'm happy to share uh, for your notes section, some, some, some more for people to look into. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. If you could, I would really appreciate it. And um, thank you so much for your time today. It was really great talking to you. I'm really hoping that there'll be a lot of subscribers to the upcoming event. And yeah, uh, um, we we can um, record another episode with results from that event and what has happened. So (laughs) yeah, I, Thank you so much for the invite and, and a big kudos to you for, for, for seeing the importance of this topic and bringing it to your viewers. Um, uh, I cannot congratulate you enough and, and thank you enough for, for, for reaching out and, and asking for this, for, for you to learn more and for your viewers. Thank you. Thank you a lot again. 
Thank you for listening to Compliance Time. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review which will help others to find the podcast. Also, you can subscribe for email updates on our website cmpltime.com. And don't forget to check out our new blog. Thank you. Till next week.